Hi there, everybody, and welcome to episode number seven here on the Garage Cast. It is December the 9th. I am Michael Iani Palarchio, your host here on this podcast that is focused on innovation. Podcasting to you from the garage, which is an internal innovation department area function here at Branksom Hall. I am the head of innovation and strategic projects, and it is such a pleasure to welcome you to this week's podcast. It has been a busy week as we move towards the December break. And as always, through this week of busyness, I've had so many lovely little moments where people have stopped to talk to me about the garage cast. It's just wonderful. Uh, This week, I had one of um, the students in my advisor, a grade 11 student, um, talk to me about the podcast and that they had been talking about the podcast with their teacher. And that just makes me so happy because, again, the garage cast is meant to raise awareness of innovation and bring to you some interesting things to think about. The garage cast is a vehicle for others within the Branks community to have a conversation with me and explore some areas of innovation. But what I really, really wanted and hoped for was that the garage cast would spark conversation. And so I'm so glad to see that happening. And I always, always appreciate the feedback. On today's show, we're going to be talking about two really interesting areas of exploration. One is an artificial intelligence chatbot that is really taking I would say the world by storm. And I've had the um, the fortune to be able to explore this over the last week or so. And it's really quite amazing. And we're going to get into that. And the second topic is around gaming and education. And once we get into that segment, I'll tell you why I've picked this particular um, topic to talk about. So... As always, buckle up and let's get started. So an AI chatbot, what does that mean exactly? Let's unpack what I think is some of the most extraordinary technology that has very recently become available to the general public in the area of artificial intelligence. Before we talk about, you know, what is a chatbot? What what is this exactly? Let's just set some context to some things we've discussed in the past. You might recall, I think it was in episode one, where I spoke about last year in the spring of 2022, I ran a session, maybe even earlier in 2022, now that I think of it. Yeah, it was earlier. We ran a session for 
our instructional leaders here at Branksome Hall and expose them to some artificial intelligence tools that could write um, content, blogs, papers, and we have chatted about that. And that technology or that AI advancement was, was based on, you may have heard recently, it's resurfacing this acronym GPT-3. And GPT-3 is really, the GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. And three is just, it's a version number, the third version. And what it is, is it's a language model. So again, you remember when we talk about artificial intelligence is that by using really, really huge data sets where machines analyze that, you can, be, you can create a model. And so GPT-3 is a very um, sophisticated language model that uses deep learning that allows you to produce human-like text. We'll just leave it at that in terms of its definition. There is a company called OpenAI, you can find them at openai.com, that created the ability to um, use these human-like text generators, and that spawned a whole series of, of types of tools um, which, as we've talked about before, have become more sophisticated. We've talked about art generative um, AI. And again, this is using elements of these language models, but they're coupled with um, having analyzed um, so many millions of pieces of art, coupled with the ability to interpret a prompt that, that somebody gives it and generate art pieces. And I've had lots of people come over to visit my space in number four and see some of the AI-generated art that I've created. And OpenAI um, created the service called DALL-E. And there's it's a DALL-E version two. What they have now done is taken that, taken that language model and turned it into a service where you can query. It's almost like you're having a chat. Think of sending a text message uh, in WhatsApp or in any whatever your messaging tool of choice is. Um, but you're talking to a machine. You're talking to an AI chatbot. And it has become incredibly, incredibly sophisticated. Uh, so much so that, that really it's just showing up everywhere in terms of people experimenting with this technology in the last seven to 10 days. And I'm going to put in the show notes. So for those of you that are within the Branksome community, uh, there is an internal website. Uh, that link uh, was in the road ahead an internal uh, documentation of ours for those of you that are outside the community. Um, and I'm going to post some screenshots that um, um, will illustrate exactly what I'm talking about. And for just the listening community and those of you that are listening to the podcast right now, I'm going to explain what exactly is this chatbot able to do. So you, you give it uh, a prompt, a question, whatever you like. 
Uh, and so let me give you a sample of some of the types of prompts that I gave it and what I'm getting out. It's, it's writing on the fly. It is not a Google search engine, which just gives you a list of results. This is actually creating content based on everything that it's learned and, 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 and the creation of this language model. So for instance, here's what I wrote into the chatbot uh, little window. I wrote, how would I explain E equals MC squared to a fifth grade student? And the chatbot writes back to me. And you, when you're using this chatbot, which can be found at chat.openai.com, you see it actually typing to you. So this is not canned material. And the chatbot said, explaining the concept of E equals MC squared to a fifth grade student can be a challenging task as it involves some complex ideas from physics and math. However, there are some ways you can make it more accessible to a younger audience. Here are a few suggestions. Start by explaining what energy is. You can use examples of different forms of energy, such as light, heat, motion, to help illustrate the concept. You can also explain that energy is a property of matter and that everything in the universe contains energy in some form. Next, you introduce the idea of mass and so on and so on. It's quite lengthy. But what it has done, it has taken a tone of voice. It has taken language and concepts and basically suggested, how would I speak to a fifth grader about E equals MC squared? I then posed an alternate question, which was, how would I explain E equals MC squared to a 12th grader? And the response was much more sophisticated. I won't read it all here. Um, because I want to move on to some other examples. But the mathematics, um, the assumption that a 12th grader has a, a greater grasp of mathematics, obviously, changed the way the chatbot presented information to me, to, for me to understand how I might explain E equals MC squared to someone that's 17 years old. And so... Then I started to pose some questions. I just want you as educators and those of you that are in the education community to start to think about and, and, and realize, have a light bulb moment as to how students might start to use this. And so I posed a question now to the chatbot as if I was a student. So the first example, I was, I was putting my educator hat on and saying, if I had to go into the junior school and talk to the fifth graders about E equals MC squared, Hey, give me some suggestions. Listen to this query that I gave it as if I was a student. So I wrote, hello, we are studying river discharge and its relationship to stream flow, channel characteristics, and hydraulic radius in my grade 11 geography class. Can you help me understand the key aspects of river discharge and its relationship to stream flow? So this is something one of your students could write into the chatbot and the chatbot responds. Now listen to, listen to the response. Sure, I'd be happy to help you understand the key aspects of river discharge and its relationship to stream flow. River discharge is a term used in hydrology to describe the volume of water that flows through a river channel 
in a given amount of time. It is typically measured in units of volume per unit of time, such as cubic meters per second or cubic feet per second. River discharge is an important factor in the study of stream flow, which is the movement of water in a river stream, in a river or a stream. The discharge of a river determines the rate which water flows through the channel, and it's, major it's, ma it's a major factor in determining the overall hydrology of a river system, and it goes on and on and on. So you can see here that the chatbot is behaving like a tutor. It's almost like you're having a virtual sitting. Here, I'll give you some other prompts without sort of reading you a lot of the details. I asked, can you show me what a debate between two people debating the, the following topic? AI is too dangerous for humanity to pursue. With one person arguing for the motion and the other against. And the AI chatbot began, this is its response to me. Sure, I'd be happy to provide an example of a debate between two people on the topic, AI is too dangerous for humanity to pursue. Here is a possible scenario. Person one begins, I believe that AI is too dangerous for humanity to pursue. The risks of developing advanced AI are simply too great and the potential consequences could be catastrophic. We've already seen examples of AI systems causing harm, such as when a self-driving car killed a pedestrian or when a machine learning algorithm made biased decisions. Person two, I disagree. While it's true that AI can be dangerous, it also has the potential to bring many benefits to humanity. AI has the potential to help us solve some of the world's most pressing problems, from climate change to disease. It can also improve our lives in countless ways, from making our homes more efficient to helping us stay healthy. And this goes on and on. It gave me six or seven responses. And so I hope that some of these examples are allowing you to, to see uh, the potential of this type of tool to assist students and how it changes our relationship as educators to the learning process when students have this at their disposal and us as educators, how it changes the toolkit that we can tap into as we try to imagine new units, for instance. And I've, I'll list a few other examples. There's a very interesting example that you can look at where I asked, would you be able to show me how I create a website that requires people to log into to access content? And it said, here are the steps. And it lists a whole bunch of them. And then the second step in its response to me was store the user's information in a database. And it gave me some other details. And so after that, I queried it but how would I store the user's information in a database? And it, it built upon that one piece and gave me six additional steps just for that. And so you can see that there's a conversational um, aspect. So a student could ask about a concept, perhaps something in any subject, history, mathematics, science, and the chatbot provides them information. And then this student can ask clarifying questions of the chatbot. Oh, what, what do you mean by hydrology? Let's say take that river example. What do you mean by uh, it plays a major role in hydrology? Just like they might ask a teacher. And the chatbot in turn 
continues to provide information and answers and content. I've tested all kinds of different things within the chatbot over the last week. I've taken math problems, uh, word problems from math. I've taken things from physics classes and chemistry classes and popped it in there. And it's not just giving you an answer. It's explaining it to you. If you just say, tell me the answer, it gives you the answer. If you say, explain to me the concept of momentum, it'll explain it to you in detail, like a teacher might. And this is astounding. It even, it's just astounded me when I asked it some questions, very specific questions like, what would the code be for me be, to be able to create this in Python? And that's just a computing language. And it not only explained to me, like an instructor would, how to go about coding it, but it actually wrote the code for me. And so there is no subject area that can't be transformed, disrupted by this type of technology. It truly, truly is outstanding. And it's at its infancy. If it's this good now, and it's freely available, if you go to chat.openai.com, and I'll put that link in the, the show notes for those of you in the, um, within the, the Branksome community, and you register an account, it's free for now. At some point, I suspect that they'll come up with some kind of subscription model. There is a cost, a computing cost, but for now, it's just open to the public. What happens when this technology ends up being embedded and integrated into Google Docs or Microsoft Word? Students will just have this at their fingertips where they're working. There are already tools where this AI technology is being embedded. So you'll remember in a previous podcast, I talked about a tool that I love called Notion, where I capture notes. Well, this GPT-3 technology is being built into that. It's already available. It's in a limited beta, so not everyone has access to it. Which really means as I'm working in my workspace, taking notes, I can query my artificial intelligent chatbot like an assistant. We're going to be running in the new year a two-session intensive look at artificial intelligence and its implications to education. This is for the internal community at Branksome. You'll see a sign-up sheet that will come out in the new year for this. Um, and I really, I will offer this as many times as needed. Uh, you know, if you can't make it in January, I may run it again in February or March. Uh, because I think we really, really need to understand this technology. This is not technology that's coming in, in five to ten years. It's not even technology that's coming in a year. It's technology that is here in our hands right now. And as educators, we should understand how we can leverage it. And we should understand how our students will leverage it and how that changes how we teach, what we teach, how we assess, how we engage our students in the learning process. It's fascinating. And I hope that 
This segment in the GarageCast has got you thinking about how this OpenAI chatbot, the GPT chatbot, might change what you're doing. Branksome Hall, an independent Ivy World School, and the Monk Debates, dedicated to promoting civil and substantive public debate, are pleased to announce Resolved, the first online worldwide public speaking and debate competition on a universal theme. Resolved is open to all 13 to 18-year-old students in secondary school who like to challenge conventional thinking. Our innovative online debate platform, DB8, makes it easy for students and judges from around the world to debate and connect on topics that challenge popular beliefs and encourage deep thinking. The goal is to present the most persuasive argument on the universal topic. Registration is now open for the public speaking phase of the inaugural competition. The topic of the competition is, we can appreciate art even if the artist is personally reprehensible. Students will have until January 16, 2023 to prepare, deliver and upload their speech on this topic on the DB8 platform. The top 32 students advance to the online debate phase. From there, the top four students will be selected to take part in a final in-person, all-expenses-paid debate event in Toronto, Canada in May 2023. And now, back to our program. I have to say that I'm so pleased with the response we've been having to Resolved. You just heard a little spot there, an information spot on this exciting online debate program. And if you are a young person listening to this podcast, there's still time for registration. We've had uh, just a, a great response, young people from all over that uh, have already registered to participate in the online piece and compete um, and ultimately potentially uh, have that all expense paid debate experience in person here in Toronto. So um, glad to be able to, to insert that little spot here and share that information, remind all of you that uh, that registration is open. So if you're thinking about it, uh, you know, step into it and, and take advantage of that. Okay, second topic of the Garage Cast: video games and education. I have been a lifelong gamer. So of course, I have a bias towards games. <laughs> I have uh, played games for as long as I can remember. Um, back in 1979, a very long time ago, I my very first computer program uh, on a very old computing platform called the VIC-20, um, I wrote a small uh, video game, a little space shooting game. Um, at a time when there wasn't uh, very much computing power. It was a very simplistic game. But I loved games. I loved playing them, and I loved um, tinkering. Uh, and really, video games was the entry to coding for me. And I, I focus on gaming in this week's episode because my oldest daughter uh, heads out next week. She is a video game developer. Uh, she has a master's in game development, and she heads off overseas next week to pursue her PhD uh, in gaming. So I know that she might be listening to this podcast, 
and um, so proud of everything that she has embarked on and wishing her well and safe travels uh, overseas. The reason I wanted to talk about gaming is the PhD work that she's doing is really looking at how gaming and video games specifically can be used for the preservation of cultural uh, and heritage, artisanal uh, knowledge. I'm not going to get too much into into, um, the project she's working on specifically, but you know, it gives me pause in terms of how gaming itself really can present um, really great opportunities for learning for young people. You know, I mentioned that gaming was my foray into learning to code. And so some of the game uh, curricular and co-curricular experiences we've had here at Branksome, you know, we've had some game hackathons where students had to code a game uh, in a short period of time. We have had students in the junior school. You'll remember we had Megan McKellar on. And we've got students that use Minecraft, which is a game, to create uh, worlds, uh, created body systems, to explain body systems um, within a gaming environment. We can see, for instance, that so many people use, for instance, Duolingo, um, which is a, uh, a gamified app um, on your phone. I think you can do it on a computer as well, but most people tend to do it on their phone for learning uh, languages. And it's quite effective. There is uh, research that, uh, and studies that have looked at the effectiveness um, of something like Duolingo, um, which again, gamifies, it's in short bursts, Um, They call them bite-sized lessons. Um, There's an entertaining piece to it. There are little rewards uh, that you earn and points. Um, And the research, you know, really does show that um, people do progress uh, their learning of a language just through 15 to 20 minutes of Duolingo work every day. My younger daughter has been doing a Duolingo uh, streak. So a streak is, you know, as long as you keep doing it every day, your streak continues to build. So there's this, that's part of the gamifying. Remember we talked about social media apps kind of manipulating us and trying to draw us in all the time. And there's a negative effect to that. But gamifying learning can have a positive effect when you are incented because you don't want to lose your streak. Um, And she's got a streak that it's something like, 800 and something days. Um, So we're talking about years of daily practice. Um, She's been using Duolingo to learn Italian and is conversational. Uh, And that is extraordinary. And so there's lots of examples where gaming really does create opportunities for learning. And I think it's an area that you know, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to really explore how this can augment our curriculum, 
and transform our curriculum um, and how game-based learning, you know, can make learning fun and engaging, um, but that recognizing there are different paradigms um, when they are learning this way. So it's not a replacement, you know, it's really, um, if we think about the reward system, for instance, you know, in Duolingo, which is shown to be effective, as educators, you know, we can understand that that's really coming from a behaviorist paradigm, right? You're earning something, you're getting a little dopamine hit, and that motivates the kids to do something that they might not necessarily be interested in. They're, they're interested in learning a language, but to do it every day, that interest could wane. But the reward system through that gamification is really tapping into the behaviorist paradigm and repetition. It's a very consistent paradigm that um, um, can be found across um, many game-based learning systems that we've seen over, you know, many, many years. It's not, it's not something um, new. When we think of other learning paradigms, though, you know, take a constructivist uh, approach. Games as a destination for meaning-making can be put into place. So it doesn't have to solely be a single paradigm. A, 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 a gaming platform or a gaming um, app uh, that has this constructivist approach you would start to see environments, for instance, where we might have kids um, uh, with tools that are available for creation, for inquiry, uh, for self-expression and reflection with games that really are embodying that constructivist approach. And then, you know, you can build on that constructivist approach if we look at social constructivism and this is really when we see uh, uh, an ecosystem within a game that provides social activity. So we know that learning um, can be enabled through social constructs. We see that in the classroom, right? Community building that happens um, facilitates learning. And so we can build that social constructivist approach into games as well. And here you might have, for instance, for instance, players that are, they find themselves in a, a game world, for instance, together. And they're not necessarily, they could be competing, but they could also be generating, for instance, creative content or problem solving. Um, uh, but going beyond that, by contributing to communities that extend in the game space, but also beyond the game space. And I think gaming in the classroom or as a part of our curricular experience for our students, again, can facilitate the learning. It can facilitate students to um, create and give us evidence of learning. Their outputs could be within a game system. Minecraft, Roblox are examples of that. But we also could be 
scaffolding other skills for students where they are going beyond just creation of things, you know, rather than creating them in PowerPoint, they've created it in a game environment. But we can go beyond that and give our students technical skills where they can actually be creating their own game environments, their own gamified outputs. Using tools like Unity, you know, we've got about 200 licenses of Unity at the school. And pre-COVID, we had a few students that had embarked on creating personal projects in grade 10 that leveraged those environments to create um, virtual reality outputs. You know, we've talked about virtual reality before and augmented reality and mixed reality. Well, the gamification of uh, aspects of education, you know, virtual reality is just an extension. It's a different kind of game. It's just highly immersive. Um, and so this is something I think we really need to embrace uh, and explore as a technology and not be so quick. You know, quite often, you don't see it as often anymore, but there have often been instances where, you know, gaming is sort of seen as mindless entertainment and individuals wasting time. And of course, that can be true. Uh, the same can be true for watching TV. But just like film and television can be used for entertainment, it can also be used for documentaries, for instance. And so there is um, a use of that technology for learning and for someone's own personal uh, growth. And so gaming can be the same. Yes, we can have, you know, mindless games of, you know, farming crops or first-person shooting games and forms of entertainment. But the real opportunity is for us to think about as educators how the gaming paradigm can transform what we are already doing. And if you think about the first segment in today's GarageCast where we've talked about kids using things like the artificial intelligence chatbot to get information, the role of the educator as just a, a fountain of, of information is diminishing. And so this allows us to step into being mentors and coaches for our students as we uh, explore new paradigms of learning, interdisciplinary ways of connecting information that they might get from a chatbot, connecting it and making meaning of it and interacting and engaging with it differently and producing things. You know, this when you've got all this information at your disposal, you have an opportunity to focus on the creation of your own content, the creation of your own thoughts. And gaming, I think, is increasingly going to become a part of the learning journey for our students. Once again, that brings us to a close for this week. Happy Friday. 
wishing you a terrific upcoming weekend. I'm so glad that you were able to join me. I hope that you found today's topics really interesting and thought-provoking. I hope that it has made you curious. I hope that it will give you something to talk about with other educators or other students or between students and teachers or parents with your children, whoever you are listening to the podcast. I hope that there's been something in today's garage cast where you've paused and you've said, wow, that's interesting. And I would love to hear about that from you. You can email me. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and send me a direct message or even just an open public tweet. Uh, If you see me on campus, pull me aside or book a meeting uh, if there's something you'd like to talk about. And I would love to have others join me on the podcast. Don't wait for a specific invitation. There's a few people out there who have some invitations and we're planning out when they will appear on the podcast. But if you're listening to this and you would like to be a participant uh, and participate in a conversation around innovation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I would love to have you on the Garage Cast. And our listening community would love to hear what you have to say. And you don't have to have a lot to say. You may have just questions that you want to discuss, or you may have some things that you would like to contribute to the conversation. Again, I am Michael Iani Polarchio, Head of Innovation and Strategic Projects here at Branksom Hall within our innovation department that we call affectionately the garage. Until we chat again next week, Stay well, everybody, and ciao.